Hey guys, it's Brooke Eagle, and we are back with another episode of the Forsyth Magazine's podcast. And today I have Lauren Desai, the Executive Director of Aperture Cinema. Hey Lauren. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So I want to um, just learn a little bit about you and your role with Aperture and just some history about how you got into this role. Um, I got into this role because I started the role for myself. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> uh, yeah, back in um, 2008, I um, started writing a business plan for a cinema in downtown Winston-Salem and kind of did it, I don't think I said it at the time, but like in hindsight now, like I did it sort of selfishly because I didn't, I missed having access to films. That I, I lived in New York and LA before and you could see anything there. And it was like, well, you can't see that in Winston. And why is that? And so I just yeah. had a business plan. Oh my gosh. So 2008, so you had your 10 year anniversary not too long ago. So you're going to be, it'll be 20 years before you know it. Yeah, it yeah. will be. It feels like a hundred, but. <laughs> so what, other than just wanting to see any films, what was like your mission for, in your reasoning for specifically downtown Winston-Salem. Yeah, I mean, back then, there, downtown was just at the beginning of the revitalization. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, it, was, it was different. It was Mellow Mushroom and I think Sweet Potatoes and a couple other things, but there were, like, big gaps everywhere. And But there was this idea that it could be something. Um, and so the space on Forest Street was available, and I was like, well, that's the center of downtown, and if we're gonna be anywhere, that's it. And I mean, I'm just, I'm a city person, and I live downtown, and I, you know, I, like, it wasn't gonna be anywhere else. Yeah, well, you clearly have a good vision, because I'm remembering back to 2008, and it was, downtown was just, it was not there yet at all, so that's like a really bold move that you wanted to do it, and it's like, literally the perfect location i can't think of a better location for a cinema i mean it really downtown it really is you have jeffrey adams you can do it's like the perfect date night you have all the restaurants around and then you just go see a movie after yeah i mean that's the that's what we're promoting is that it's not just coming to aperture it's like come to aperture and do all the other things you can do yeah downtown. yeah so what makes aperture different than your typical movie theater well, I mean, well, like a lot of it's physical, like we're smaller, we're really intimate. We don't have all the bells and whistles. We, I mean, when we opened, there were no reclining seats anywhere, but <laughs> we definitely don't have reclining seats. Um, you come and, uh, I mean, our largest theater is 80, so you're gonna be close to other people. And honestly, that's, I think, in my opinion, why you go see movies to like elevate the experience. You know, when something's really funny, you laugh together. When it's scary, you're like, you know, shrieking and, um, <laughs> yeah. So I think intimate maybe would be the word. Yeah. I think I agree. I, my boyfriend and I go all the time. We love it. And it is intimate and it's the, your team is so friendly and it just feels like it's a totally different experience than your mainstream movie theater for sure. I mean, and the other side of that is the programming. I mean, we, I mean, that's the second part of my job is picking out the films and the programs that we're doing. Yeah. How do you go about that? I'm so like, how do you decide what movies you're going to show? Um, I watch a lot of films. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I go to the Toronto Film Festival, which actually I'll be going to next week. Oh, and, fun. And uh, Sundance. And between them, I see around 60 films and then I get screeners sent to me and I'm reading and researching and... Um, the great thing about Winston-Salem is films, you know, open in New York and L.A., so kind of can see what's coming that way. And um, there are so many filmmakers making films that, like, it's now getting a lot harder to sort of 
you know, pick and choose and decide. I have to turn down a lot of films that I think would be great to play, but we don't have enough screens. Yeah. Well. So how many films typically do you play, uh, do you, like, during a month's time, I guess? Oh, um, I don't know. So maybe, like, 25 to 40. It just depends. Yeah. I mean, we have four screens, and sometimes we'll share screens, and then we've got all sorts of special events, and we've got our A-Mobile, so it can get really busy. Yeah. So um, I want to talk about your special events. What kind of special events do you offer, do you host at Aperture? Yeah, so we do a lot of one-night-only. Um, that's a way that we can program more. Um, we do a lot of, like, music documentaries. Those are a big – those have always been a big hit since we opened because um, people like that sort of experience of seeing their favorite band on screen. Um, we do community programming. Like, we'll um, partner with um, – like, one of our long-term partners is Family Services. They're, they'll be showing something in um, October um, and – then we do anything else. I'm like, oh, we need to like people to see this film. I'll just stick it in and be like, you know, one night only your yeah. chance to see it. Yeah. Well, then I love how you also kind of slide in some mainstream stuff too. like I know you had Barbie um, and you do some other movies and it's so it's not I think people might have a misconception that it's just really small, like smaller films. But I feel like you have a wide range of. Yeah. And that's a lot of that. Our programming did change when we opened up after the pandemic. We are playing a couple more commercial films like Barbie. But also, I'm really selective around, like, I picked Barbie because we've played all of Greta Gerwig's films, and so it makes sense. And, and um, Oppenheimer is a historical fiction. We played that, you know, we did Barbenheimer. Um, <laughs> and so, like, I am selective around those films. Um, but I do think that... Um, those films are great. I mean, they're they're just because they're playing at all the other screens in town doesn't mean that we shouldn't be playing them too. Sometimes. Oh, for sure. And it's a totally different experience to come see it at Aperture, in my opinion, than another. Yeah, theater, I mean, we, so. we we curate our concessions too. Like we do. Yes. That's also part of what you know. While we do the films, we are also thinking about what we um, offer people. I love that. I I told the story a few times that uh, my boyfriend and I went to see Cocaine Bear. And it cracked me up how you guys had the powdered donuts and the gummy bears. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was <laughs> like, a lot that's of fun. hilarious. Yes, Lots of thought and effort into that. Yeah. So, Lauren, um, you were talking about the music documentaries and stuff. Do you do like the simulcast uh, concerts and things like that? Some places do. Um, we don't. Well, we've never really done that. Um, usually it's something that's already been recorded or a lot of them are like re-releases that have been remastered and restored um from like concerts that have never been seen before okay and this oh, is an opportunity cool. uh, but we are a new thing that we've added is national theater live um which are broadcasts from the national theater in uh, london and they're they're like really well known and um we have much to do about nothing this weekend. Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah, so we're trying to promote all the people that love theater. I mean, this is like a way to see some of the best theater in the world. Very cool. Yeah. So I know that you guys have like a, I might be saying it wrong, but like a VIP membership plan. 
for people who want to come to see movies all the time. So it's not VIP. Anybody can be okay. a member. And there's all different levels. Um, Tell us about all the levels. Yeah, so like just, you know, there's an individual, I think, sorry if I'm not getting the pricing wrong, it might be $75. But every time you come, you get a discounted ticket. So if you come a certain amount of times, you've paid off. Yeah. You know, you get a popcorn punch card, you get discounts on concessions. We have like a members-only magazine. Oh, we cool. We do a once-a-month um, a screening on Monday that's free for members and they can bring a guest. Um, and then we have higher level members ships. Like you can pay $500 for the year and see any film for free the whole year. So like if you come between two and four to two and four films a month or special events, like you've paid off your oh, yeah. membership and then we start to lose money on you. But we love that. <laughs> like we would love to have more of this. Come see members. all the films. Yes. Yeah. So I want to talk about, um, since you know, you did create, your role and you created this amazing thing. What are, what's like the biggest lesson that comes to your mind that you've learned over the last 15 plus years? Um, I'm yeah, sure that's hard we to were kind of talking about it before we, <laughs> we got it. Like I, I think um, managing expectations, it, it's my, I have a almost 16 year old son and so Aperture is my second child. And I just feel like it's like my, He's almost 16. He's about to get his permit, yes. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Wait, so what year was he born? He was born in 2007. So you had, like, basically a newborn. I had a two, like, I would, I have photos of him, like, going to, like, the construction and his That is so stroller. cool. Yes. So um, he's really grown up with it. He has. Yeah. And so Aperture's my second child, and, like, I just don't feel like anybody is going to be as committed and passionate and work as hard and I think that's been a lesson to like understand that like I just thought that people, you know, would come on board and feel the passion that I do. And they do. It's just but it's not to the like Yeah. Not the same level. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can totally relate to that. My mom who started the magazines, very, very passionate obviously about the magazines. And I think I'm pretty close to her in as far as passion, but even I as her daughter who also works at the magazines like I can't quite you know since it's not my baby like it is hers like I didn't literally create it like she did so I think it might also be when you create it it's like you have this thing of failing like yeah when it's yours you're the only one at the end of the day that's gonna own that failure so like maybe that's it you just don't want it to yeah fear of failure what what, what are you uh what Enneagram type are you like maybe E in TP or FP? I don't know. Yeah. I was curious because okay. I feel like the fear of failure is a, a specific type is like more. I think my my think I morph all the time. Yeah. Like I feel like having Abitra, I've had to change my personality. I am by nature an introvert and I've had to like learn to become an extrovert. And yeah. That's like hard. Oh, yeah. Work. It wears you out. <laughs> it does. It's exhausting. Whereas extroverts sometimes just need to take an inward look too, you know, and just say, I'm, I'm going to step back because I am an extrovert. I am always out in it. I mean, no matter what I'm doing, I'm, but, but I have to, but I also have that fear of failure. This is the podcast production thing here for me. And I've expanded my space and started a radio station and it's, the fear of failure scary, has never yeah. been as scary as it is right yeah. this minute. Yeah, because you've just poured so much. And, you know, I think it's because you know if you're not, if you leave it, 
you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's, I think, the scary. I think introvert or extrovert, uh, any small business owner has a little bit of that fear of failure. Because, you know, we do. We put our whole heart and soul into it. And you want people to love it and appreciate it. And I think the two of you have done a great job with with people loving and appreciating what you've created. I think another thing I've learned is just not to take things so personal. Like, Ooh, that's just, a good one. Like people, man, every email, they can just be really <laughs> harsh. Really not nice. <laughs> and, 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 well, and some people I've come to learn too, like they're not trying to be as mean as it comes off in like a text or email format as if, as if they would if you were like talking to them in person. But yeah, that's... I'm well, like, you have no inflection. You yeah. only have text to read. You yeah. don't get to hear the the inflection of the voice that may be somewhat humorous. Mm-hmm. But when you read it, there's nothing humorous about that. I like to overcompensate and put exclamation points after way too many sentences. Oh, and then I, I have that. to, you know, go and calm and smiley myself faces down. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, be professional, Brooke. Be professional. Yeah. <laughs> Better than people thinking I'm mad, though, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, speaking of extrovert and introvert, this doing, I tell everybody after I do a podcast recording session, like I'm a lot more introverted than people would probably think because I have to put on my extrovert face and I go home and I just want to like take a two hour nap after talking to people for two hours. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's extra when you're introvert, like you, because you're you're not just doing something that like might be, you're like adding this like person, like you have to change your personality to be able to do it chameleon like you have to kind of morph mm-hmm. yeah so what are some exciting things that are coming up at aperture uh well, i know we, you have to plan way far in advance yeah we um we just started a new series called screen oddities which is like a cult film series and we just had our first film on friday night oh. um it was like a japanese film from the um 80s tokyo pop and we had a good crowd for that. So yeah. I was really excited. It was a very obscure film. Um, but that's the kind of idea of it. And, um, and next month we have a film called Party Girl, which stars Parker Posey, who I love from Days and Confused. Um, oh, very and cool. it's another like sort of lost gem. Um, she's literally like a party girl and has to pull her life together and becomes a librarian. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds good. So it's really fun. We're just trying to um, another sort of shift post pandemic is the um, idea that we can show older films and and people are interested. And and we we did that before, but I think there's actually more interest now in coming to cinemas and seeing sort of um, repertory films and re-releases. And oh, so we're yeah. we're well, doing more of that. It's things that you missed. Uh, and, you know, some of us weren't alive for it. Probably Brooke. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's either you missed it the first time around, you weren't here the first time around, or you did and you want to relive that again. There's something. Yeah. I'll be honest, the last time I was in a movie theater was Aperture Cinema uh, because I don't like big theaters. I don't like being in the dark with a bunch of people I don't know, <laughs> but 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 I always feel comfortable in aperture. So um, there's something about seeing a film in that atmosphere that you yeah. probably missed the first time around. That makes everything cool. Yeah. Well, if you have a terrible memory like me, you probably just didn't remember half the movie. So it's good to rewatch it every right. every few years. <laughs> I think there's um, I think also I don't know. <laughs> I've changed my behavior coming out of the pandemic. I'm more like 
thoughtful about how I spend my time. And I think that with these films that are like re-releases or they were classics, there's not a lot of, but like people know they've been vetted, right? They, they're, they're on lists and they've, you know, lots of people have seen them. And so there's less of a chance on them than say some of our, um, where we haven't seen our audience return is like our, our world cinema films, our documentaries. It's, it's taking hmm. more of an effort to get people to come back and see those because I think they're just, they're spending their time. I mean, I just think it's like something that we're trying to figure out how to get people to come back and see. Yeah. Because those are the films that I'm most proud. I mean, that's why I opened Abisher. And so I really, you know, I don't want people to come. And it, it, like, it crushes me every year around Oscar season when like, you know, people start to hear a buzz about like uh, the films that are nominated for, you know, best international feature. And it's like, well, we showed that film over the summer. Like I told you you should come see it. It was going to be really, you know. But. You missed out. <laughs> So, okay, big question. I know you get this question all the time. What is your favorite film? Um, I need to, like, come up with a better answer. <laughs> like, I always say Amelie. Um, I don't know that Which one. is a French film. So I say it because I love the film. It's really quirky. Um, and But I saw it in New York um, at the Angelica, which is a little art house. Wow. Um, and I saw it, I was living in New York, it was right after 9-11, it was like the first trip back to like a cinema. And so it has this like sort of special meaning. And also it just gave me the inspiration for Aperture, like the Angelica, have you been to it? No, I've heard of it. So it's like the subway runs underneath it and you're sitting there in the film and you can feel it. Wow. But it's like this cool thing. And I was like, oh, like it doesn't have to be this like, I mean, it can be. I'm not. I'm not taking away the greatness of state of the art and like luxury, but you can also have something in a community that is special and you know. Yeah. So well, and it's interesting. It sounds like that you also partially said that's your favorite film because of the experience. Yes. It's, so that's the thing it. about cinema is you can't. When you stay at home and you're watching a film, all you get is the film, and yeah. maybe you don't even get it that great because you're like looking at your phone and you're stopping it. And so true. But yeah. when you ha when you see a film in a cinema, you get all of the things that come with it, like the whole night. It might be a date. It might be like the best film ever. And you just, it's more memorable. And so it like is. just making people remember that. Yeah. Some of my best like favorite date night memories in the last, over the last couple of years have been walking to Aperture and walking home from it. And it's like, this feels like you're in a movie. Like you're like walking downtown and you just went to a cute little movie theater uh, it's just a whole different experience. I love it. Because that is the little block of awesome still. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what's one movie or, like, thing that you showed and you're like, dang, I wish I wouldn't have showed that? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, Let me count the ways. <laughs> huh. I don't know. I can't. I don't know if I can... Or something maybe that you weren't excited about featuring, but you did it anyways. Um, oh, Brooke, that's like, I have like <laughs> thousands of films in my head. Um, you know what? I, there's, I'm sure there are some that I was disappointed in. People didn't come. That always happens. And then other ones that I'm pleasantly surprised because I, I mean, there's no possible way that can like all the films. That, and so I have to yeah. think about the audiences and, and so I'll be like surprised that people came to see this film that I just thought was like, like that great, they but they came and they loved it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. How, how do you even begin to pick 
I mean, I guess you just learn some of the trends over time as far as what people like and don't like, but that has to be a constant It is, it's battle. changing all the time. I mean, yeah. because we have four screens, I can take some risks on some of the screens and be like, I think this film is from a like new director or it's got this amazing story or it's from a country that we've never, you know, people aren't exposed to. And so we, I can play that and it's okay if not that many people came because probably some people did and they have a memory of it. And yeah. um, so it's nice to be able to take risks and then have a film like Barbie, which um, is going to now, it's already cracked the top five of our like highest grossing films ever. Wow. Um, in the least amount of weeks. And, but Barbie like has I bringing loved it. All, I thought that was a great film. a fantastic film. Yeah. I mean, it really is top to bottom. So yeah. well done. I listened to a podcast with um, the director, Greta, What's her last Gerwig. name? Gerwig. Gerwig. And she's incredible. Yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah. That's, it. I I mean, I've, I don't know. There was just a lot more, it was a lot deeper than I expected. Yeah, she put out this great list on Letterboxd of the, I think it's 30 films that inspired Barbie. Wow. So you can, I mean, like, I want to watch a lot. I've seen a lot of them, but I want to watch some of them. And there are reasons why, like, the set design or some of the shots and some of the care. I mean, she, like... I mean, way more thoughtful than, in, you know. Oh, yeah. So you said that Barbie has already cracked the top five. What are some of the other top five movies? So, <laughs> The King's Speech. Do you remember that film? I that remember, was... but I don't think I saw it. Well, it came out in 2000, like the first year we were open. Uh, we played it for 12 weeks, and it's still number one. Wow. I mean, I would really, really, really love to have a film that beats that. I mean. Oh, my gosh. You should do a replay of it for, like, your... Your 20th anniversary. I don't anniversary. know that it's held up as much. I just don't think people. Yeah. I mean, we had, um, it, 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 it skewed an older crowd, but mm -hmm. so we had like people in their like 70s and 80s coming back to see it twice. Yeah. Like kind of like Barbie, yeah. but. <laughs> I saw Barbie um, twice. I never see movies twice, like in theater, but I saw it twice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it's funny. I can't remember what number two is, but number three is Lady Bird, Greta's other film uh -huh. so barbie's either going to just beat Lady Bird or just come behind it but yeah. greta will have two films oh, in that's our cool. top five which is kind of amazing that's so cool yeah i love that you know the the top five um so you you do replay certain movies um what are some coming up that you're excited about in the next this will this podcast episode will release in like early september or so um let's so there's Any a, scary movies coming out? We actually do have. <laughs> so October is. Um, we started a series last year called Hey Ghoul Hey. So it's horror. It's <laughs> horror, <laughs> horror films directed only by women. Oh, I love it. So this October we have American Psycho, Pet Cemetery, and Slumber Party Massacre. Okay. Um, and so those those will be on um, Monday evenings in. October. Yeah. So what? So you're. I didn't even realize you guys were open on Mondays. We so. just. Open back up. Oh, okay. So, what's your what does your schedule look like? So, we're now we're open every single day. Wow. Like we don't close okay. ever now. I mean, we we stop. never. <laughs> never. I mean, honestly, holidays are huge for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Monday, we literally last week opened back up on Monday, and we're start. It's we're calling it Make It a Monday, like to try to get more people back downtown. We've got some restaurants on board giving like really amazing deals if you come to see a film and take your ticket. 
Oh um, yeah, like tw- like twenty and twenty five percent off your meal. Oh my gosh, what what restaurants? So know? right now we've got Twisted Pine, um, six hundred degrees, and uh, the Catherine. Oh my gosh, I would gosh. love for more restaurants. To okay, well those board. are three really solid options. Yeah, they are. To eat. I love them all. <laughs> yes. So it yeah. sounds like Monday should be the new date night. Yeah, I think it's the new Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> So as far as show times, I'm assuming mostly evenings, but do you have some matinees over the weekend? Yeah. So uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we open up uh, in the afternoons and then um, we have a matinee on Tuesday as well. Okay. Um, yeah. So we really we try to be accessible to everybody's different schedules. Yeah. So as we're kind of wrapping this up, um, where obviously I'm sure people can purchase tickets online, but where can they follow you and kind of keep up with what's going on with Aperture Cinema? Yeah, um, our website is ApertureCinema.com. We're on Instagram and Facebook is at Aperture Cinema. Um, you can Google us. Awesome. I mean, just Aper- like we have a really unique name. So if you put Aperture in uh, Google, you'll, you'll get to us. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you for coming to chat with me. Thanks for having me. It was fun to learn a little bit more about Aperture and I'm definitely going to be there for a Monday date night soon. Cool. I think, I think that's a good day. (laughs) All right. And as always, you can find Forsyth Mags on social media and online at ForsythMags.com and at Forsyth Mags. And that's a wrap for today. The views and opinions stated on this podcast are solely those of the contributors and not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting companies. This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without expressed written consent of Forsyth Magazines Incorporated. Ooh, that's a mouthful.